Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. I hope you got the popcorn made and you're all settled in because we have a double feature tonight. Uh, The first topic will be logged in and stressed out, and our guest is Dr. Paula Derlovsky. We're going to bring her on in just a minute. And then for the second half of the hour, yours truly is going to discuss emotions, and and we're going to kind of shatter some of the myths that um, I think people really wrestle with and stumble with when it comes to emotions. So I'm I'm really quite excited for this episode because uh, logged in and stressed out, I mean, really, um, it's almost like our computer has become... Um, the great wizard of Oz, so to speak. <laughs> I mean, it's this magical platform that really didn't exist not that long ago. And now, um, especially with the uh, the 2020 year, I think people are kind of struggling with it. So I'm delighted to bring this show to you tonight. I think we should jump right in. Our, our first guest is, again, Dr. Paula Derlowski, and the topic, Logged In and Stressed Out, is the name of her latest book, How Social Media is Affecting Your Mental Health and What You Can Do About It. Dr. Derlowski is a clinical psychologist, a best-selling author, and social media expert who, instead of demonizing social media, by taking a one-note digital detox approach, recognize that social media is not itself the problem. It's how we use it that needs examining and can offer tips to have a better relationship with social media. In her book, she guides readers through the impact of social media and its impact on breakups and infidelities, social distortion and comparison, trauma and triggers, social media binging, depression, anxiety, and other common concerns. She she details the whys and hows of creating a safe digital space, cultivating digital and social media mindfulness, applying the techniques of mentalizing while consuming social media and decreasing social media and digital reactivity. She offers suggestions for how to use social media and digital technology to create meaningful social interactions and improve your screen health and provides readers with practical steps to put these ideas into action. Join me in welcoming Dr. Paula to the show. Welcome to the show, Paula. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to have you. Now, boy, howdy, what a topic. <laughs> Who hasn't said? <laughs> you know, when I 
when I go to the park and I see people dragging their dogs because the dogs want to sniff every bush and 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 really kind of delve in. To me, that reminds me of of how we get with social media. It's like slow down. I want to read all these posts. I want to I want to immerse myself and. Who hasn't got online and got on social media and looked up and found out that a couple of hours hasn't clicked off? Now, you, you as a psychologist, work with um, people. How did, how did this particular aspect? I mean, log, logged in and stressed out. How did that come out, come around to being a book mm-hmm. you chose to write? Well, I began to notice in my practice, more and more people were discussing the negative effects that social media was having on their mental health and was contributing to their depression, to their anxiety, and particularly people were really concerned about comparing themselves and their their lives, their choices, their you know, physical appearance um, to those that they were seeing online. Um, and just as you were saying a few minutes ago, that people were also discussing the difficulty of stepping away from their screens and that they found, you know, hours were being stolen from them, essentially, well, in some ways, you know, that they got lost um, in their social media scrolling. Um, And that's, you know, time that can't be brought back. But the other interesting aspect is the guilt that they then felt and the remorse and the kind of self-criticalness of time that had been lost and then the difficulty of kind of bouncing back from from that. Um, so, you know, there were many um, self-sabotaging cycles, you know, that one can kind of fall into with social media. Um, so that's how the book came about and, you know, correlating Um, offline feelings with online feelings and how one feels offline uh, impacts how one will feel online and how social media is used. Well, with 2020, a lot of us were kind of corralled into our own house. The the stay-at-home... effect on people, I think social media kind of ramped up its importance, if you will, because they they lost that social contact, so to speak, and then to, to turn around and, and have some really potentially very detrimental side effects, depression, anxiety, body image, addictions, I mean, or, or even maybe not as uh, obvious aspects like a parent that's not spending as much time with their kids because they're right. immersed online. What, what would you say is some of the more prominent um, 
attributes that you've seen your clientele complain about, or or maybe they're not a, um, they're maybe they're oblivious to it. I mean, what are the more prominent attributes that people come to you with? Well, in in uh, regards to social media, you know, I would say that something that is consistent among people um, that I see and what they discuss is how um, comparing oneself to virtual friends um, and that that really can start a very, you know, devastating cycle of self-criticism, um, doubt, regret, um, and, you know, basing it on snapshots. You know, social media essentially is a, you know, snapshot of someone's life and can never capture the complexities, you know, of what happens or does go on in, you know, someone's life other than that one moment um, that they're posting about. And, you know, it's human nature to want to showcase our best moments or or um, achievements, and that is not a bad thing, of course not. But it's really important to recognize as a consumer of social media that that's part of what social media is about. Um, so I just want to say that. Um, and that, you, you know, obviously, you know, life is much, much more complex and people are much, much more complex than uh, just a post. But I think something I just want to mention that you were talking about, too, with the pandemic, I think that the pandemic put a spotlight on the benefits of social media and virtual platforms like Zoom, Skype, FaceTime, and other ways of interacting. And the research shows that when using these types of platforms as a way to boost our relationships, to communicate, you know, to cultivate like digital conversations, you know, that's all very positive and that is forging relationships and connections which we are built to form um, and is crucial to our mental health our relationships really you know key to mental health um, but the research also shows that people that passively consume social media just ingest without interacting moment by moment feel worse than they had you know before they logged on so it's really important to be an informed user um and i also want to say something else that i think has come about since the pandemic is really the importance of self-care and i think that what was happening early on and even before the pandemic is people were using social media or screen time as a way to relax or pass time or do something when they were maybe feeling bored. And that is not a way to 
you know, energize or refuel or recharge. It is not a self-care um, option, really. You know, rarely have I heard anyone say, wow, I feel so much better after being on social media. You know, I'm ready to take on the world. No. So I, I, I just want to say that that's really important to recognize that, you know, self-care is really more along the lines of exercise or a creative hobby or reading, you know, something that really nurtures the soul and the body. And social media, you know, it doesn't really do that. So... So it's not a good self-care option <laughs> or well, way to I mean, pass too much time. Like, I know um, people can have a sense of, of worth by interacting with it, with others and, help, and helping others. Um, it, you know, it, it's like the, the mother complex where... That they nurture everybody in their in their wheelhouse, so to speak, and to have that kind of disconnected, where where their social interaction got chopped off with the pandemic, yeah, that can kind of land on their their sense of self worth. I mean, what would you tell our listeners who are struggling with? Who they are. I mean, you, you know what I mean? When you get a sense of identity I do, yeah. and then it gets cut off, how, how do you reprogram or how do you how do you navigate that in a healthy way? Yeah, where do you put that energy, you know, when you're not able to physically do it? Yeah, that's, right. you know, really, really difficult because, the reality is is that you know a lot of those activities or options or you know being with people um that weren't in your household and then people that live alone too you know um that that was not an option but you know hopefully now that that's not so much the case as we're able to get vaccinated and you know it it seems like things are getting better in that regard um things are opening up but but i guess you know i would say to people that um to to find ways to use virtual platforms that are you you know where you're able to connect as as closely as possible as it as something that would be an in-person interaction and that would obviously be like FaceTime or Skype or or Zoom you know and check in on your friends and family actually do more than a check-in I'm sorry like schedule you know real com- conversations like enough time you know beyond a check-in um where you know, you're still cultivating a relationship and spending time with important people. And I think it's important to recognize and, you know, hope, I mean, that's what we're hoping, that, you know, this this will pass. Well, Although we don't know. Like you know. Now, mm-hmm. 
now if I'm a listener and I'm and I've I'm starting to recognize or maybe it's quite obvious to me that I, I have uh, maybe an unhealthy relationship with being online there's that you know it's kind of like an an addiction like perhaps an alcoholic mm-hmm. um, they see a picture of their ex online that's going out with <clears throat> their new relationship and they feel bad yeah. excuse me and and they want to go have a drink i mean they want to they want to bury the feeling they want to um avoid how the the reaction or the trigger that that does with depression and anxiety and addictions and whatnot as a consequence of being online how do we break that cycle yeah you know just like yeah that you know the first thing of course is to recognize that you're using social media in unhealthy ways and that your social media use is contributing to your depression or prolonging or complicating you know mourning a breakup um so that is you know the first step is to recognize that um, these types of behaviors are a problem and creating negative affect. Um, and then, you know, you would want to really work on being able to pull away from a screen or, you know, not not go on social media. Now, you know, obviously there could be other aspects of social media that are positive and, you know, speaking with other friends. So you could also, um, with, you know, intention and knowledge, figure out, you know, how to work settings so that an alert or, you know, a um, profile um, of an X would, would not come up you know, or to unfollow, um, and to be really mindful of how you're feeling if you decide before you log on. And if you're feeling like you're not in a good space, you know, really allow yourself and give yourself permission to step away and not go onto social media and to see that as a form of self-care and self-love and self-protection, you know, not, not, a, not a form of failure by any means. Um, and, you know, the other thing that I want to mention is we all, just regardless of the circumstance, you know, it's, we become so attached to our devices that when we're not physically next to it or it's not in our hand, you know, people get really anxious. So learning how to live life without a device in your room or, you know, close by and developing the frustration tolerance um, that that requires um, is something to really work on. And just simply having your phone in another room um, so you can't get to it easily also buys you time to think through the consequences of logging on, 
especially if you are going through and mourning a breakup or any other type of relationship loss. I like that. And maybe take um, some or all of the social apps completely off your phone and and schedule uh, a more intentional time with it, perhaps. Would that make sense? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, scheduling your social media check-ins as you would schedule work calls or homework assignments or exercising. You know, giving it a a boundary um, would be you know at the uh, time of day and you know, of course, a time limit. I mean, it's I you know you had mentioned at the beginning of this uh, conversation and interview, which is so true, is, you know, it's very easy to get lost scrolling through social media and to really eat up so much time. Um, and it's time that we can't get back. Um, and I, I don't believe that there, in my experience, that mm, being on social media beyond 15 minutes could be valuable. Well, and a lot of times the the medium, even though there's pictures and, and videos and whatnot, a lot of our interaction is just flat-out text. I mean, we're typing our posts mm-hmm. on, on social media and text. It's just notorious for misunderstandings. Um, you know, somebody took something the wrong way. When a virtual conflict arises, and this can even uh, ripple into our kids um, who can be very uh, sensitive to, to peer perceptions, how, how do you handle virtual conflicts in a, in a healthy way? You know, you bring up a really good point, and particularly with kids, too, and, you know, adolescents, um, and young adults that are um, developing, you know, during this, during the digital age, you know, there is a real flatness to digital conversations and texting because with emojis, I guess you can get some degree of an emotion or intention, but it certainly is not as robust or rich or informative as an, you know, face-to-face interaction, that back-and-forth dialogue, and not to mention the importance of information that is being um, communicated non-verbally, you know, by a person's facial expression, their body language. That is all important to our connection, to the dialogue, to what we're learning about the other person, what we learn about ourselves relating to others. You know, it's just, there's just, it's profound. So um, I, I really think it's so important that parents discuss with kids more and more the spectrum of emotions and what emotions are, that it's not just angry and sad. You know, there's a whole spectrum in between. 
um, that, you know, really digital um, communication doesn't capture. Um, but in regards which going miss a, you know, misunderstanding or conflict it, when we have that with people and in our relationships, you know, that can be rather complicated. Um, and it does require, you know, a conversation, whether it's on the phone, FaceTime, Skype, Zoom, best would be in person. But if not possible, those types of interactions and situations really need to be discussed you know, with virtual platforms that um, allow face-to-face -face conversation. And it's important to know that repairing a conflict strengthens a relationship. Nice, right. Well, the, sometimes when people contribute to your post or comment to your post, they're not very graceful, and they can be pretty blunt and not really care how you feel. And for a lot of us, um, trying to find our voice, trying to be heard, trying to have a sense of connection, to be, to, to have your ideas and perspectives respected, and then along comes a troll that just, you know, slaps you upside the head metaphorically and continues on their way, it, it can give you such a, a, a bad feeling that you don't want to contribute anymore. You, you know what I mean? It's like, how do you, yeah. how do you, get, how do you get some, some depth in your character that you, you're more resilient and you don't have emotional reactions to really strangers making comments. Yeah, you know, that's um, a part of the risk of, I guess, having a public platform, you know, does mean that, you know, strangers can indeed post disturbing and unkind comments. Um, and I, you know, my my wheelhouse is not the the mechanics of social media, but I would guess that, or you, you know, blogging or posting. But I would guess that you could maybe be or have more control. I know that there's some uh, settings that you know the person that is writing the blog can. Um, I think check any comment before it's posted you know, that it has to go through them. So I think there are, that it would be important if you're, you know, a public blogger um, and anyone can comment, you know, to see how you can control other people's comments, you know, whether you want to post them or not. But in regards to friends or family or people you maybe distantly know um, that, you know, post an unkind comment um, on a uh, social media site such as Facebook or, you know, Instagram, um, you know, you can decide, you know, whether you want to unfollow that person or, you know, make a comment back. But 
I guess that that's kind of all, that's just the risk of having a public profile. And I and I you. think that it, it also kind of speaks to that not to feel responsible for somebody else's poor behavior or unkind comment, that that's really much more a reflection of that person versus you, what, you know. Oh, indeed, very nice. Well, yeah. I think you've written a very timely book, Logged In and Stressed <laughs> Out. How social media is affecting your mental health and what you can do about it. Do you have any close? Um, first of all, let's share with the audience where they can get the book, and if you want to share a web page um, or anything. Uh, Amazon has the book, and Barnes and Nobles. You know, any any bookstore. Um, you can um, just go online and uh, order it. Um, so it's very easy to find. Um, mm-hmm. Well, very nice. Do you have any closing thoughts for our audience? Yeah, I, I guess I would just say, um, you know, that, you know, social media, um, you know, learning and finding ways of using social media to boost your relationships is really key and whenever possible i mean it's really important to keep in mind that our priorities really should be our in person relationships that you know those are the most important and how we feel offline is often going to be um you know carried over online so if on a particular day, you know, you're dealing with something personal or something at work or, you know, with a friend, you know, it, that could be a time to not go online. You know, we can't control what we see once we go on online. Um, and when we're under stress or, you know, dealing with difficulties, you know, we're more likely to be triggered by seeing maybe other people posting, you know, at that moment in their life, you know, um, things are going smoothly, you know. But, of course, we all know that, you know, life for everyone it has its good and its bad times. Um, but, you know, it's normal when you're facing some challenges um you know, that seeing someone else's what looks like a perfect life could be really upsetting at that moment and harder to remind oneself that, you know, life is complex for everyone. We all have bad moments. Um, and I certainly want to say to really keep in mind that social media is not a self-care strategy and to be really mindful of you know, not using it as, um, you know, for like relaxation or fill time or, you know, when one is quote-unquote bored, um, that, you know, that's not the best use of one's time and it's not the most skillful way to use social media. 
And just lastly, you know, as much as you can with social media, interact on it. You know, interact when you're using it. Um, and and have fun. Well, I like that. Um, well, Paula, I want to thank you yeah. for being our guest tonight. I've very much enjoyed this conversation. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure, and thank you so much. We've been talking with Dr. Paula Derlowski about her latest book, Logged In and Stressed Out. And and how timely is that? I mean, I think social media has turned into uh, an information source. It's like you can watch the news on TV and then you get on social media and everybody shares their their take on the news, their take on the elections, their take on what's happening. And uh, especially with that isolation of, of 2020, keeping online social media in check can be very important. So I'm delighted we had Paula as our guest tonight. I want to shift the topic now to emotions. 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 Wow. Um, For myself, emotions turned out to be the cosmic two-by-four that cracked me upside of the head. For a long time, I had no interest in emotions at all. And then the cosmic two-by-four came along and cracked me open. And... This was over 25 years ago, and it, when I got cracked open, I really started looking at why did it take a cosmic two-by-four to get me to recognize how dysfunctional I was with emotions? And I know a lot of people are really wrestling with emotions now. I mean, 2020 is behind us now. But still, the the wake, the the turmoil is still there. I want to just talk in general about emotions. So, have you ever fall down when as you're going downstairs, or maybe tripped and and fell to the ground? Did you did you blame gravity? I mean. You fell. Gravity pulled you to the ground, and it might have hurt. What I'm getting at here is gravity is not a personal thing. Gravity is indifferent, completely and totally indifferent. And your experience with gravity is based on your ability to master your relationship with gravity. When you learned how to walk, the principles of gravity didn't change anywhere on the planet, anywhere in the universe. Gravity was a constant. And when we talk about emotions, emotions can be such a personal experience. Emotions can be such a personal 
um, challenge, a struggle. But we can get lost in the emotions because when we have an emotion um, triggered and then it ramps up and our and our emotional energy body becomes um, lit up and we're we're emotionally agitated. That can't um, sometimes that doesn't feel good at all. And a lot of times we want to blame. We want to blame others for how we feel emotionally. But I promise you, there's 7 billion people on the planet experiencing emotions. Just like everybody on the planet is experiencing gravity. Well, the, the principles, the mechanics, if you will, of emotions are exactly as impersonal to you as gravity. Wait, what? The emotions you feel are the result of a mechanism, an emotional mechanism that's a part of every single human persona on the planet. The mechanics of emotions are impersonal. Sometimes I hear um, young young kids that are looking to get married, they're engaged, and they're like, oh, but they make me feel so wonderful. Oh, when I'm with them, I feel, I, I, I just feel wonderful when, when, when I'm with them, and I want to just, Pound my head on the desk and say, my God, if your spouse is responsible for your happiness, tie some cinder block to them and go throw them in the river. <laughs> That's insanity. Now, now, why am I saying that? Maybe you go into work and your boss says something and it triggers you and you have an emotional reaction. Or maybe, yet again, here you are, with your spouse and that damn topic comes up again and you both get triggered and you both have an emotional reaction and you're both agitated and upset and uncomfortable and you just want to get through this damn emotion and shut it up. What the hell's going on there? How are the mechanics of emotions? How are the impersonal mechanics of emotions making it so challenging with your relationships, either with your boss, with your spouse. Let's break it down a little bit. Your purple hair looks horrible. I can't believe you chose purple, and you let it grow so long. Did that trigger you? I'm assuming you don't have purple hair. <laughs> did that trigger you? I mean, come on, did it trigger you? I'm guessing that it didn't. Well, why didn't it? That particular trigger, you had no emotional 
investment in. You didn't have an emotional propensity. You didn't have an emotional reactive pattern to. But what if I said something more blunt and it was focused specifically at you? Well, now it's going to trigger you, I suppose. What is a trigger? What's an emotional trigger? When we excuse me, when we avoid feeling our emotions, they literally build up in our psyche. And when they build up in our psyche, our ego can develop a habitual reactive pattern to them. I love the example of road rage. Maybe you're a passenger in the car and somebody's driving along and a relatively trivial event happens. Somebody's in a hurry and they have to they have to get to the exit, so they cut in front of you. And there's the trigger. There's the trigger. Somebody's in a hurry and they cut in front of you closer than you would have preferred. And that once the trigger happens, woof. Here comes the emotions. That some bitch, what's what's going on? And you have an emotional reaction. Well, the trigger is impersonal. Wait, what? Just as I said with the example of purple hair, what triggers you is an inside job. What triggers you is an attribute of yourself. And as you learn to master your emotions, hopefully we'll have enough time to get into that, emotions, especially difficult emotions, challenging emotions, quote, negative, unquote, emotions, people can get stuck, flat out stuck in, in unhealthy emotional reactive patterns. But emotions are there for you to evolve past, to master, to get through the emotion. If, if you've had a, a lifetime of, of wrestling with emotions, to understand the mechanics of emotions can help you literally evolve out of the more difficult emotions. When we, when we have an emotional reaction to a trigger, emotions in and of themselves come from within us. Emotions, where do they come from? Where do our emotions come from? They come from within ourselves. Emotions are a natural consequence of when we bump up with our beliefs, our thoughts, our attitudes, our expectations, we bump into, quote, reality, unquote. And based on those thoughts, beliefs, feelings, attitudes, how incongruent those are with, quote, reality 
is the message that the emotions show us in the moment. Let's let's approach that from a different point of view. So as you interact with people, with circumstances, with expectations, your emotions are messengers in the moment. The emotions come from within you in the moment to show you how you see yourself in relationship to what is happening. To show you how you see yourself in relationship with your experience. So in that road rage, here's somebody, a very impersonal thing, the trigger, especially out in public, the trigger is so impersonal. This person needs to get to the exit and they need to get over now and they're going to be a little rude about it. It's not a personal thing, but it triggers. It triggers an emotional reaction. So when we when we have emotions we don't like to feel, a very common response is to avoid the emotion. So you're there in in the relationship with your spouse and now the conversation of money's coming up and and maybe you lost your job in 2020 and the finances are falling apart and there's all kinds of emotions involved and now we're going to start talking about what we're going to do to to get out of this money situation the emotions that come up in those moments especially when it's uh, a, re- a repetitive pattern around a topic, the energy, the emotions are from the past. In other words, if we don't process the emotions as they are happening, in other words, if we try to suppress how we feel, we try to push the messenger away, we try to avoid feeling the way that makes us feel uncomfortable, and we push that energy of the emotion into our subconscious. Why does road rage have so much energy to it? These people go off like a like a pistol. I mean, there's boom, they're triggered, and then this rage, this hard, hard anger comes ramping up in their psyche. So an impersonal trigger and all triggers, let me tell you a secret, all triggers are impersonal. When a trigger comes along and all this emotion comes rushing up from our from within our psyche, all emotions come from within us. The emotions come up within our psyche. It's what we do at that moment that decides if we have a healthy understanding, a healthy habit, a healthy skill that helps us deal with the emotions, or if we have a reactive pattern that that only pushes it down and saves it for later. The more you avoid your emotions, 
the bigger emotional challenges you're setting yourself up for in the future. In other words, when you feel emotions come up and you decide, I don't like how this feels, I don't like it when I feel this way, I'm going to push the emotions down so I can feel better in this moment. The amount of energy in your subconscious has just gone up. It's just gone up. And what that means is the next time you bump into that emotion, it'll be a little more intense. Fast forward a decade or three, and you've been avoiding emotion for a long time, when that emotion comes up, you're gonna, it's going to feel really intense. Why? Why are some emotions so intense? Because you're not dealing with them. You're pushing them down, pushing them down, and they're accumulating in your subconscious. For myself, I never ever allowed my, well, once or twice a year, maybe, I never allowed myself to get angry. And it was the cosmic two-by-four that cracked me open. I had so, so much anger in my subconscious that I my ego was not even aware of. It wasn't even on the table for me to understand my very, very unhealthy relationship with anger. Had I had a form to fill out and I put, and one of the questions are, what emotions do you struggle with? I wouldn't put down anger at all. But anger was crushing me like a rock. Anger was squeezing the life out of me. And I didn't know it. My body was shutting down. I was starting to have ulcers, digestive tract problems, gnashing my teeth in my sleep. And it's all related to anger, and I had no idea. So we've only got a few minutes left, but I want to I want to put some content out that might help help people. So. Let's use a personal relationship, a couple that have, that, I mean, if you're listening to this radio show, if you're listening to the new Human Living radio show, part of you wants to grow, part of you wants to evolve, part of you wants to mature and evolve your consciousness and and get out of the struggle of, living an unconscious life. So there you are with your spouse, and here's maybe the topic's money, and here comes the emotions, and we're going to start bickering, and we're going to go into this reactive pattern, and we've done it a, a thousand times. Stop. Stop, 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 stop. Here's a few tips. Are you ready? You attracted to yourself a spouse that had the same issues that you have. You attracted to yourself a spouse that had the same issues you have. And that's actually a really good thing. 
that lets you off the hook. You're always off the hook. When it comes to emotions, how somebody else reacts is never, ever on you because the emotions are happening inside of them. You might trigger them, but if they have an emotion they can be triggered with at all, that means they have an issue, an unresolved issue with that emotion. That doesn't mean it's a pleasant interaction. But in any situation, the trigger cannot cause an emotional reaction in anyone unless there's an emotional issue already in that person. Your purple hair, what made you choose purple? Look how long it is. That doesn't, you're not having an emotional reaction to that because you know your hair is not purple. You're so irresponsible. I can't see how you anybody expected you to be good with money. All you do is spend, spend, spend. Did that come closer? Well, you might have an emotional issue with money. When money comes up, an emotional response comes up. Well, how do you get past that? You grow who you are. So when you're in a relationship with somebody and you have a repetitive pattern of reaction and and maybe it shows up as fights, maybe it shows up as soon as that emotions show up, you both shut up and, and tread water until it calms down, that's very unhealthy. What emotions want is to report to you how you see yourself. How you see yourself doesn't have anything to do with anybody else on the planet. The emotions, the messengers, the emotional messengers that arise from within you are personal, personal messages just for you. For you to blame anybody on the planet for how you feel, oh, come you can't, well, of course you can do that. People do it all the time. But you're missing the mechanics of it. If you're blaming somebody else for how you feel, you don't understand the mechanics of emotions. In order for you to move through emotions, Listen to the messengers. When a feeling comes up that makes you uncomfortable, don't push it down. Let it be in your psyche. Well, Les, that doesn't feel very good. Yeah, I reckon it doesn't. How many years have you not been feeling good about this? Well, probably a lot because you're not processing the information that the emotion has for you. Well, how do we process it? Well, the feeling is a reflection of how you see yourself. If you, uh, Let's use the money example. We only got a few minutes left, but I want to make them count. If you were raised in a financially dysfunctional household where dad gambled and Mom spent all her money on drinking because she's an alcoholic. 
he didn't have any role models. Maybe you don't feel worthy about money. Maybe you don't feel talented enough or or a, a whole slew of emotional feelings about money. Well, how do you get past that? You heal yourself. You grow yourself. You evolve yourself. And and those steps could be a whole conversation in and of themselves. When I feel anger now, when I feel anger come up in my psyche, damn, there's a lot of energy to anger. And I can see how, as a young child, I learned some pretty messed up habits with what to do when anger shows up because the household dynamic would just go crazy when dad got mad but but now I recognize that if I'm feeling angry now check this if I am feeling angry it's about me it's always about me if I'm feeling angry there's some aspect of my demeanor my personality that has not addressed how I'm approaching life. Remember that your emotions are messengers in the moment telling you how you see yourself in relationship to what's happening. I hope, I hope this is helping you. So if you're in a relationship and and you feel a fight coming on, and you've both listened to this, uh, a few steps you can take is to say, okay, for myself, I take ownership to how I And I recognize that you have an emotional reaction to this situation as well. So when... When I see you reacting emotionally, I'll understand that it's a personal experience and I won't I won't feel blame. I won't what you're getting at is owning how you feel. When when people have uh dysfunctional habits with emotions and and the <laughs> The killer sentence is, you make me feel, you make me feel horrible, you make me feel this, you make me feel that. Bull pucky. That's iguana doo-doo. The way you feel comes from within you. Nobody can make you feel a particular way. Your emotions are 100% an inside job. Now, maybe that, that person triggered you, and you dropped into an emotional reaction. But they wouldn't have been able to trigger you unless you had already had an issue with that emotion. Does that make sense? So we're pretty much out of time, but As a couple, you can say, well, obviously we both have some issues around this. Obviously we both have 
emotional patterns from our past that are are hinged around this issue, that are attached to this issue. And our patterns of the past have been react, 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 blame, 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 upset, 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 and it goes downhill from there. Well, maybe the new pattern can be, wow, here we are talking about that again, and every time this comes up, it makes me feel, ugh, I feel like, ugh, I feel terrible. It makes me feel terrible. I own how I feel, and I, it makes me want to avoid any interaction about this topic because every time it comes up, here comes that feeling again, and I want to get the hell out of that feeling. And so in the past, I've blamed you. I've, I've raised my voice, or maybe I shut up and went in the other room. I had some reactive pattern that broke up the ability to make any progress with, the, with this emotion. And so now I sit here and say, I don't feel very good, but that's on me. And I'm suspecting you might not feel very good either, but I'm going to, that's up to you how you feel. You can share with me how you feel about this. But I recognize now that part of why we were attracted to each other is we both had this emotional patterning, this emotional um, common ground, if you will. And in order for us to get past it, we need to to not take it personally, to recognize how we both feel when this topic comes up. And then maybe we can do some back and forth conversation about What's the root feeling? What's the root emotion that we're trying to avoid here? And what is it telling us? Maybe we need to change our skills. Maybe we need to change our attitudes, our expectations, our behaviors. Now we've come to a place where it's okay to have the feeling come up and we're not going to just drop into a reactive pattern of let's yuck, we're we're in this quagmire again, yuck, yuck, and all these these mechanisms, these tricks, these behavioral sabotage that that crashes the conversation and no progress is made. Emotions are not personal. I'm gonna wrap it up now. Emotions are not personal. Just like gravity's not personal. And as you grow, as you evolve, the the difficult emotions are there for you to grow through and get past. You can have emotional freedom, but the way you have emotional freedom is you master the art of understanding the why. Why do I feel this way? And when you investigate the why, you'll see aspects of your own personality, your own persona that are not serving you, that are not, um, that are not helping you grow past the pattern, through the pattern, through the emotion. 
the more you learn to master your emotions, the freer you will be emotionally. If somebody trips my trigger and I feel an emotion come up in me, that's gold. That's a gift. What was unconscious is now conscious. What was off my radar is now feelable. If you can't feel it, you can't heal it. Well, that's all the time we have. We're actually over time, but so be it. Um, thank you for spending this time with me. Thank you for showing up for yourself. It's always a pleasure for me to bring you episodes that help you learn to master who you are, learn to master your life path, learn to master the art of being human, if you will. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Always a pleasure. Until next time, thank you. Thank you, thank you. This has been a New Human Living radio broadcast. You can raise your own personal power with Personal Power Fundamentals Home Study Course at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening. 